Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We get to check in with one of our favorite pastors and authors, Pastor Sutton today, joining us from St. Luke Lutheran Church in Lansing, Michigan. He's also author of several books from Concordia Publishing House, including Why Should I Trust the Bible, and author of a series in Lutheran Witness Online. And uh, so today we're going to take a look at the driver's seat with Pastor Sutton. Thanks so much for joining us today, Pastor. Thanks for having me. So the driver's seat, uh, we would think this is about cars, but you take it even deeper than that, as you always do. You always have a very thought-provoking um, writing to share with us. So we're going to take a look at autonomy and uh, autonomous vehicles today. Why are we, I think particularly as Americans, but maybe it's just a human thing, why are we often so consumed with pursuing autonomy? So autonomy, you know, the, the, the thought that comes to mind for me is the driver's seat, you know, kind of that desire to be in the driver's seat. And I remember turning 16 and how exciting it felt to, to finally be in the driver's seat uh, and not only be in the driver's seat, but when my parents didn't have to be with me and just complete control. Uh, and so I think, you know, autonomy comes up this word of control, power, freedom, you know, all these things come to mind. Uh, and that's not inherently bad. But I think there's a spiritual component to our desire for autonomy. Uh, in that sense, you know, autonomy can become a bad thing uh, if it's fueled by sin. And so I think of autonomy, and, and again, it's not automatically bad, but you know, you look at Genesis 3 and what did Adam and Eve want? They wanted autonomy. <laughs> the serpent told them, you'll, you'll be like God. In that sense, you'll be in control, you'll be powerful, you'll be free to determine what's good and evil and right and wrong. And, and you're in the driver's seat. Uh, and so it is interesting, you know, that, that desire for autonomy, it, it can come from a, it can be a spiritual thing, but it can be a sinful thing as well. Mm-hmm. Well, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking through the commandments and how many of those are, are uh, the, the opposite of what would, of, of who we are, if, if we would be autonomous people, uh, those, those commandments pull us back into the, the fact that we are in community with each other. Um, Has God left us to be autonomous? So despite what American culture says, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's one of the clearest kind of things all throughout scripture. Certainly people have tried to argue otherwise, but I mean, throughout God's revealed word, we hear again and again, I mean, Psalm 46 kind of captures this really nicely. Uh, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Uh, there's the the Hebrew adverb there, ma'od, uh, very, uh, just like God said that his creation is very good. He says, I'm very present. Um, the incarnation of Jesus clearly goes against the idea that God has, has left his creation to be completely uh, devoid of him and, and autonomous. Uh, the real presence of Jesus in the sacraments, I mean, all of these things uh, point to the fact that God is very present. Um, in the article, I talked about uh, some words of Martin Chemnitz, and, and he kind of puts it very succinctly. God is not absent or far away, but close at hand and present. He fills heaven and earth with his, with his being, his providence, his power, his creative, preserving ability, and his unique rule. So God's all around. <laughs> so there is this philosophy, though, of, of deism, that, that God has 
created his creation, set it in motion, and then just walked away, left it to be autonomous. Where do we find this philosophy of deism today? Yeah, so we can find examples of deism sort of everywhere. Maybe you're familiar with the idea of um, moral therapeutic deism. Mm -hmm. And that's this kind of shorthand expression for the way that a lot of people approach religion today, I guess you might say. But it's the idea that that religion's about helping you be a good person. Uh, it's about helping you with your problems. But ultimately, you know, God's pretty far away, according to moral therapeutic deism. God's kind of way out there, not intimately involved, uh, speaking to you through scripture, uh, accessible to you in any tangible, real way. But that idea kind of has its seeds way back. Uh, you could see elements of this uh, in the Enlightenment. Uh, certainly the founding fathers of the United States um, kind of were drinking deeply of, of deism. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, uh, I'm fascinated by his thinking and his work, but but he was a deist and in a really overt way, um, so much so that he, he actually went through the Bible and created his own sort of version of it uh, called the Jefferson Bible. And he just said, you know, if God is is not near, then I have to reject the idea of the miracles of Jesus. I've got to reject the uh, resurrection of Jesus. So he kind of took some scissors to the Bible and said, this is a deistic Bible of just the teachings of Jesus, but but nothing supernatural because God is far, far away. Hmm. That is so fascinating uh, to to see how this comes through in our culture. Where do we find in scripture about God's uh, relationship with us, relationship with his creation? One of my favorite, I mean, again, you can find it all over the place. (laughs) One of my favorite, just to pick one, uh, John 1, 14, uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And uh, Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrasing uh, the message translation or paraphrase, uh, he, he puts it really kind of powerfully. Uh, he says, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And uh, just this powerful thing of, of where is God? Well, in the incarnation, God is near and here. Uh, and so we see the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, very present, very near to us, uh, speaking to us in God's word, uh, present with us in the sacraments. Uh, so uh, this idea of, of deism that, that God has left the driver's seat of creation, uh, can't, can't be maintained, um, according to scripture or our confessions. What are the benefits of autonomous vehicles? Are there also challenges or problems or dilemmas presented by autonomous vehicles? So I had a lot of fun preparing this article. There were plenty of things that I, simply did not know about with autonomous vehicles, thinking about benefits, but also the potential problems that arise. Uh, you know, the whole idea of, of I don't own a car, but instead I uh, order up a car on an app on my phone and it just arrives at my house. Uh, there's no driver and it just takes me to my destination without me having to drive. Uh, the most obvious benefit is then you can sleep in the car. Uh, you can read a book. Uh, I was thinking about you, you can pick your nose, but I think people probably already do that now. So, um, but, but, but beyond that kind of the less obvious things, uh, it would actually be more safe, uh, than, than traditional cars. We think of it as being this crazy fearful thing. Uh, but, but, you know, eventually with the technology being able to be worked out, uh, sensors and computers would be able to respond faster than, than we'd be able to do. Uh, also there'd be simply less cars needed. 
uh, in the sense that you don't have a car sitting in your driveway with an autonomous vehicle, but rather, you know, an autonomous vehicle would be always in operation. And so you would need less cars. And that means there'd be uh, ecological impacts in the sense of mostly they'd be electric and um, that kind of thing. There'd be less congestion uh, because they could sort of be aware of where another autonomous vehicle is and where there's, you know, kind of bottlenecks and things like that. Uh, savings in the sense of, you know, you're not owning a car, you're just using it only when you need it, um, things like that. But then the dilemma is that's where it gets even more kind of interesting. Certainly there's, you know, technical dilemmas they're trying to work out as far as safety and how to make this work. And, and that's an ongoing thing. But the one that I'm fascinated by is the ethical dilemmas that come up with autonomous vehicles. Uh, you know, right now when you're driving your car and you see something in the road in front of you and you're forced with a tough decision, you as the driver make that decision kind of in a split second, you know, but you swerve or hit or whatever you do uh, in an autonomous vehicle, sort of a computer's deciding that for you behind that, it would be a programmer, an engineer, a company, but somebody's deciding, you know, if this, then that, and uh, that raises lots of troubling topics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we could probably talk about those for a whole another uh, whole another twelve minutes. But what what is the the difference between how we handle all of these moral dilemmas or, or, or big big problems and how God handles big dilemmas? Yeah, so one that comes up is is called the trolley car dilemma, and uh, it's this kind of thought experiment that people use with autonomous vehicles. That imagine you're watching a trolley car careening uh, towards a group of people. And you're sitting in front of a lever uh, and you can control this lever. If you do nothing, this trolley car is going to hit a group of people. If you pull the lever, it will change tracks, but it will hit one person. So do you do nothing and just let it happen? You know, or do you intervene and, and sacrifice one person? And it's a bit more complex than I've just shared. But what's fascinating to me is, as I was thinking about how, how does God answer that, that question of, of what to do in that sort of no-win situation. And you, 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 Romans 5, we hear this, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's not a, an exact one-to-one, but, but God said, let me lie down on the tracks for you. Uh, let me sacrifice myself for you, despite your uh, deserving of it, not at all. But, but God says, nonetheless, I will sacrifice myself. And, and as humans, we get caught up on, do we sacrifice one person or five people, an old person, a young person, an animal, all these things. But it's amazing that the heart of God is self-sacrifice. And um, again, it doesn't really answer the, the questions of autonomous vehicles, but it certainly shows you how, how God is uh, wholly different uh, in his, his approach and, and, and his love for, for you and for me. Check out the article in the Lutheran Witness Online. Check out witness.lcms.org. You can find it in the series section under uh, Pastor Sutton's series there on the Lutheran Witness Online. Pastor Sutton, any good books? I I, I know you're always working on books. <laughs> what, what's the, the latest book out for us to check out from you today? So I'm currently working on a book with CPH uh, tentatively titled Redeeming Technology. Uh, that may not be the final title but actually working on that with a, uh, a psychiatrist at Michigan State University. Uh, and the book's going to look at kind of technology from a theological perspective, but also uh, what it does to us as far as mental health goes. Very good. We'll keep our eyes out for that. Coming out in 2021, 
Uh, if I can get it done in time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we stop interrupting you, we'll let you get back to work. Thanks so much, Pastor Sutton, for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. Thanks for having me. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. So what are the benefits of autonomous vehicles? I think the most obvious benefits we think of with autonomous vehicles, this idea that that you can not own a car, but on your phone with a... Is that going to be a problem? I'll get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put do not disturb on. How's that sound? That was actually timed quite well. I know, because you said phone. <laughs> you just kept going. <laughs> yeah. It heard me.